0: We're going to go ahead and continue on in, in this series that we've started about who we are. So for the next several weeks, I think we've got eight or nine weeks or so, we're going to be talking about the different points of who we are as a church. And last week, we talked about that uh, we are a people who are saved by grace, right? We're a people that salvation is ours, not based on the, the things that we've done, but in fact, it's ours in spite of the things we've done because God loves us so much that he gave everything to us. And apparently my volume's on, turn that off. Praise God. You know, you can't even can't even yell when it's the pastor's stuff that goes off. And it's Michelle's fault. We'll blame her. Hallelujah. So <laughs> But yeah, we are a people who worship here at Living Hope Family Church. That is the culture of who we are. That's why when we worship on Sunday mornings, like we, we, we worship for a half hour because we want to tell God that we love him and that we adore him. And, and that's the reason why we worship a little bit longer than maybe some other churches, because it's, it's something that's important to us. And I'm not saying that it's not important to them, but this is how we feel. We're people who worship. We want to honor God. You see, and the thing about worship, what it really is, is just telling God how much he is worth to us. Worship, the word is actually based on an old, old word that it's worth ship and we've shortened it to worship, but it's it's basically telling God what he is worth to us. And worth in our lives is determined by how much we're willing to pay for something. That's just how worth works out. I mean, it's actually even built into how we determine the value of our houses. Michelle and I are getting ready to refinance our house. And I'm talking to the guy because we have to get the house appraised, which is stupid expensive. But they're going to come out and appraise the house. And I'm asking the guy, I'm like, so what is the stuff he's looking for? I mean, do we need to get a real quick clean session? Do I need to go out there and touch up the paint on the outside? Do the floorboards got to be clean? Like, we're think- I'm thinking all this stuff. And he's like, dude, chill out. All they're really going to look at is most of your value is going to be based on the square footage, how many bedrooms you have. And then they're going to look in the neighborhood around you and see what other houses are selling for. And basically, my house is determined, the worth of my house is determined by what somebody else was willing to pay for it. So if the house down the street, similar to mine, sells for this much money, mine's going to be appraised at that much. So basically, to determine the worth of my house, they're going to say, how much are people willing to pay for it? They're not going to add up all the materials and say it's going to cost this much for two by fours and you have this many two by fours. It's it's what somebody's willing to pay for it. And the reason that's important is because that's how we can determine. Our worth because God was willing to pay everything for us. He gave His only Son. He gave up everything. That's how much every single person in this room is worth to God. He gave everything. And when you know that someone loves you that much, who gave everything for you, it's a natural reaction, it's a natural response to want to honor Him. Amen. We need to make sure also. As a church, because this is who we are, that it's something that we're teaching our children as well. That's one of the things that uh, uh, when we go through Sunday morning, any of you ever feel kind of awkward in church on Sunday morning? Because especially if you haven't worshipped before, you look around and some people are raising their hands and you're like, should I do that? What if somebody sees me? What are they going to say? And we don't even really express ourselves in worship. How are our children going to learn how to worship God if we're not if we're afraid to worship? That's something we need to teach them. And the truth is, worship, you know, in, in today's modern society, when we think of worship, we think of that half hour before Sunday, you know, on Sunday before the church starts. But the truth is, is worship is how we live our lives. It's found in everything that we do. And everything that we do should honor God. Amen. And in order for this to be our culture, it has to be ongoing. It's not just, you know, the next Sunday after we preach this message, everything's looking good, but we're right back to where we were. We need to be ongoing in worship at all times. It's who we are as a church. Amen? So let's go ahead and get started. We can go to that first slide, Mark chapter 7, verses 6 through 7. And it says, And he said to them, Well, did I say a prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, The people honors me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. The first thing that we have to understand when we begin to talk about worship is we're not looking for hollow worship. Everything that I'm going to speak about this morning is not intended to guilt you into worshiping. It's not intended to make you feel like you have a sense of duty. It's not intended to make you feel like that you have to do certain things to look right in front of people because we're not putting on a show for people. We're not looking for hollow or vain worship. We're looking for people that are worshiping God with all they have because they recognize what he has done for them. See, the problem that was going on here that, that, that Jesus is talking about is that the, the Jews at this time, they weren't really worshiping. They were just putting on a show. And they were putting on this show, as the word says here, teaching, they, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They were worshiping, putting on a show, basically trying to get people to do what they wanted them to do. Matter of fact, this is what the, the, the message, this is Jan's favorite translation, Mark 7, 7. And the message Bible says, they act like they're worshiping me, but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy. We're not looking for hypocritical worship. We're not looking for people that are just putting on a show. We want to make sure that we are honoring God in spirit and in truth, did you know that we can even put ourselves in front of God? We can begin to worship ourselves more than we worship our God. We begin to think about how good how good we can do things. That was a, a big problem in my own life, I'll be honest with you. Because God has, has gifted me in a lot of areas, but somehow I thought it was me that was doing it all. And I thought that because I was so good at stuff, what did I need God for? I'm going to just take care of this on my own. And I can tell you, an honest truth that at one point God said, "You know what? You think you got it figured out? Then go for it." And I watched my life crumble around me. My wife almost left me. We filed for bankruptcy. I was in a horrible job. Everything just fell apart around me. And it wasn't until I put God first that things started to turn around. Because I forgot that that you know what? It's God who gave me the ability to do these things, and it's not me. Getting all messed up. Can't do this with not enough hands here. Praise God, you guys are gonna to have to bear with me. Apparently I just switched into my notes like fourteen pages ahead. Looking, some of you guys are like, oh my god, he just said fourteen pages of notes. We're gonna be here forever. I saw that. But this is something that I don't want to be said of me. I don't want it to be said of me that I'm a person that, that goes to church on Sunday and does all the right things but lives the rest of my life doing something else, that is living my life. As a hypocrite. And the truth is, is, like I said, worship is more than just singing songs. We can get together and sing songs all we want, but worship, true worship, is an attitude of our heart. It's an appreciation of what God has done for us. Which means that sometimes you need to worship even when you don't feel like it. Anybody ever not felt like worshiping? Man, there's sometimes I don't even feel like coming to church, let alone <laughs> worshiping. You mean you're the pastor and you don't like coming to church? Yeah, sometimes I want to sit in bed too. But the truth is, is that I'm going to honor my God. I'm going to love my God. It's worth it, because He has done so much for me. And the reality is that there is breakthrough in true worship when you will just set everything aside. It's why when you see me worship, if you ever watch me worship up here, very rarely do I open my eyes. And the only time that I do open my eyes is because I'm trying to get a feel for what's going on out there, but I usually just keep my eyes worshiped because I'm not concerned with you guys. I'm concerned with honoring my God, and I want to have an experience with him. I would encourage you to do the same thing. Forget about what other people are thinking or saying or looking. Just close your eyes. Lift your hands to him and worship. But the reality is, is that I found out that that there's been surveys that are done, and it's like three out of five people pick the church that they're going to based on the music that they're going to go listen to the worship that's happening there and I understand and the truth is we want to have good music, we want to be excellent while we're up here. We definitely don't like having days like we had today when when stuff's just breaking and falling apart, but we never want to be as a people coming and looking and going, Oh. You know, that, that, that stuff's just not working right. You know, we're not going to this church. We're not going to be involved because of, because we need to make sure that it's our heart attitude that's important. And even though that in this culture, we are entertainment oriented people. That's not why we come on Sunday mornings is for to be entertained. We come to glorify the God who has given us everything. And we need to be participants and not observers and instead, participate in worship and not just wash the worship team. Amen. Let's go to the next one. Exodus 24 through 5 says You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. The next part that I want to talk about, and it's really illustrated in this verse, is to make sure that we direct our worship in the right area. The truth is, is that most of us, everybody actually is worshiping something. There is something in our lives that we we put all of our focus and our attention on that is the most important thing in our lives. But we must be careful to to which direction our worship is facing. Because too many times we put stuff in front of God. You know, and we read this stuff and we're like, that's not me. I've never made a, a carven image. I've never made some sort of statue to worship. I've not put something else. But the truth is, we do it all the times in our lives. And really, this is this idol that he's talking about up here for yourselves, a carved image or any likeness or anything in heaven that is above is anything that we place in front of God. And that can be your work. That can be, you know, TV shows. That can be games. That can even be your spouse or your children. You can put all kinds of things in front of God. I mean, in this country, we even have a show, I think it's still going, called American Idol. That's where the whole point is to lift up somebody and, and glorify somebody else. And there's so many times, like I was talking about earlier, where we put ourselves in front of God and we worship our own abilities Instead of what he's accomplished inside of us. And here's one that will probably throw you off a little bit. Did you know you can put Christian stuff in front of God? You can make, you know, Caleb be more important to God in your life. Christian music can be more important. The programs and the stuff that we're doing can be more important. And we must never forget why we're doing the things that we're doing. You know, as a pastor, it's really easy for me to let all the day-to-day stuff get in the way of God. And I, I get more concerned about the, the feet, the things that we're offering as a church. If I'm not careful, I can get more concerned about the, 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 the technicalities of an outreach instead of thinking about the reasons why we're doing them. And I have to be very careful. And the same is, is true for all of us, what we're putting in, in front of God. Hallelujah. We also have to be careful of the stuff that we're spending money on, which can also show what is important to us. The truth is, is that we can, particularly when we're, we're spending money on big stuff, how many of you guys, you don't have to raise your hand, I mean, but I have debt in this room. The truth is, is that when we put ourselves in debt, we actually limit our ability to honor and live for God as we should. And the funny thing is about stuff when we when we spend money on stuff in this world that that gets us into debt like that is that even if we repent and say, you know what, God, I'm I'm putting that stuff behind me. Now we're obligated for this money and it can limit. I mean, what if God came up to you and said, you know what, I want to send you to Africa for a year to work with the tribes over there. And how would you pay that stuff? It can really hold us back when we put anything in front of God. We have to remember that Jesus is our first love. Luke fourteen twenty six says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. How many of you read that and thought that sounds kind of harsh? You're like, man, that's kind of rough. Is even my, my own father and mother, my wife and my children? As parents, this can seem crazy. We're like, we're going to, no way, nothing comes in front of my children. God should. A friend of mine, actually, this was uh, Amanda Gutierrez, who's, Will Speaks, his name's last name, last name is Gutierrez, his wife, she'll be down, but she, uh, she said this, she said, Jesus' marriage, then my kids, because if my marriage isn't secure, then my kids aren't. That's the order of how things should go. God then your spouse, and then your kids, because if those aren't in order, they trickle down and can ruin everything else. I know, like I said, through living through it, when God wasn't the center of my life, my marriage almost was wrecked, but when we finally, and it wasn't just me, we both had to put Jesus first in our lives, and our our marriage was made stronger than we could have ever imagined, and we're living that out now, but we have to make sure that that Jesus is the preeminence in our lives because he's worth it, Amen. John four twenty-three through twenty-four says, and this is the next slide, but the hour is coming and is now here where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. We just talked about, we want to make sure that. Our worship is, is real, it's insincere. It wants to be directed towards, the, towards gods and not anything else. But God is honestly looking for some real worshipers. God is looking people to worship in spirit and in truth. So to worship in truth is simply to worship in God, worship through Jesus. To realize that Jesus is the truth. To realize in an understanding of what he did and the price he paid. You know, if you don't have a, a revelation of what Jesus did for you, you're never going to be able to worship God as thoroughly as you, you should because you don't have an understanding of what he did for you. And then to worship in spirit is to worship in the new realm in which God has revealed to people, understanding that you have been given a new life, a life-giving spirit. That's the, the part about that is, is you can't worship in spirit unless you've received that new spirit inside of you. But the truth is, is that God gave us so much, and he's looking for people that as a result of being saved, to worship with everything that they have, not in hypocrisy, not putting something else forward, and not out of a sense of duty or obligation, but because of what he's done for you. Amen? Next slide. Matthew 4.10 says, Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Worship is reserved for God and God alone. Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. We see this all throughout the scripture. You guys remember when, when uh, John tried to worship the angel in the book of Revelations? In Revelations 22, 8 through 9, it says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and prophets, and I am those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. We're not even supposed to worship other godly things. I mean, there's nothing wrong with angels, but our worship is reserved for God. Amen. And what about when people began to try to worship Paul as gods? In Acts 14:11 through15, it says, "When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying, "And like Lysaonian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men." And Barnabas, they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker and the priest of Zeus whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you, and we bring the good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in it. You know, we see this over and over in the scriptures anytime somebody tries to worship somebody else if they're godly men they're like whoa back it up apparently if if you really wanted to get your point across you just start ripping your clothes up and go all hulk on them tear your clothes off the angel says don't worship is reserved for god and god alone and anything that we put in front of god is worshipped more than he did you know the only time someone in the bible received worship that that uh was a man that, that he didn't freak out was when Jesus received it. Jesus received worship. They began to bow down and worship him. Jesus is the only one that received it, who he Who never said, don't stop. Which, if you want to put a note in, is just one of the many evidences that Jesus was, in fact, God. The next slide is Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. It says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Here at Living Hope Family Church, we're looking for, we are a people who worship with everything that we have. We don't want to get distracted. We're not, we are not—we don't want to be concerned with, with what people think of us when we're honoring God, when we're worshiping God. David, you guys remember the story of David when he was worshiping and and depending on which commentary you read, he was, he was either in priestly, priestly garments or he was in underwear or whatever, but he was just dancing around the Ark of the Covenant. And, he, and his, his uh, uh, Jezebel, it was Jezebel, right? Who was the one that got mad at him? I'm forgetting the name. Huh? His wife. Yeah, what's her name? Michael. That's right. Sorry about that. I'm going blank. And uh, she's up. she gets mad at him for dancing around the Ark of the Covenant. She's like, you look like a fool. You look so silly. And she's giving him a hard time. And he says, you know what? I will be even more undignified than this to worship my God. He says, I'll be even more undignified. I will be humiliated, humiliated even in my own eyes to honor God because he's worth it. First Timothy 2.8 says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I remember the first time that I lifted my hands in worship because it wasn't like a, a real thing either too, because I'm like, all right, I want to do this. I want to worship God and I'm ready and I'm, I'm singing. I'm Look around real quick. Is anybody watching? Because this is what we think is going to happen in our head, right? We think that as soon as I raise my hand, we're going to hear that like record scratch rrr, rrr, and everybody just and begin to stare at us. That's what we think is going to happen. And we think that when we do this, that people are going to point, they're going to laugh, they're going to stare, they're going to do all of these things. So we're afraid to raise our hands in worship. We're afraid to maybe get up and dance a little bit. We're afraid to get up and jump. But the funny thing is when we do it, we, the, the, you feel so free in worship when you finally quit worrying about what people think. When you finally, you know, there's, there's people in this church that will just worship and abandon And some of us will be looking around. We're even embarrassed by what they're doing. We're like, what the heck are they doing? Like, those people is crazy. I don't even know if I want to come to this church. But the truth is, is that they're worshiping with everything, and they don't give a. They don't care about what you're thinking at all. I should have just said the word I was going to say because it's way, way less worse than the words you guys thought I was going to say. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but praise God. They, they don't care what you think. And that's why I worship with my eyes closed. Because we just want to honor God with everything that we have. And it doesn't matter what people are thinking, what people say. Matter of fact, one of the funny things that I, like, I see is when people come in with, with new people for the first time. They were here last week. It was just them and their family, and they're, they're worshiping their arms up, but then they bring a visitor in, and, and, and all of a sudden they're like this. What happened from last week? But they don't, they don't know how it's going to look in front of their friends. They don't know what they're going to say or what they're going to think. But I want you to know that your friends, they may give you a hard time, but they're more interested in saying that you actually believe what you say you believe. They're looking for people that are authentic and not people that are just worried about what other people are going to think. If you want to make an impact with your friends, particularly young people, then get up there and serve God with everything that you have. They might give you a hard time, but they're going to appreciate that you believe what you say that you're going to believe. But I would encourage you to let's stop caring about what other people think. Let's serve with all, the, like David. I don't care what people think. I'm just going to serve with all that I have. I don't care how crazy that I look. We're supposed to worship with abandon. Hebrews 13 15, which is the next slide, is through him even let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge. His name. Worship is not just the first half hour of church. And that first half hour of church is also not just there to give people enough time to come hear the word. Worship is important. And you don't want to miss worship. The scripture says that the fruit of lips that thank him, give him praise. The fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name, give him praise. The fruit, that's what naturally grows from somebody who acknowledges who he is. But it also refers to it as a sacrifice of praise. You know what that can mean? That can mean that sometimes it's not easy. Sacrifices isn't good. Sacrifices are tough, particularly the Old Testament sacrifice. You didn't want to be the sacrifice. I can promise you that. But it means that sometimes it's not going to be easy. Sometimes it means that you're not going to feel like worshiping God. Sometimes it's going to feel like you don't want to get up here and lift your hands. You don't want to sing. You don't want to clap. Sometimes it's hard. But we have a choice to make. Are we going to make that sacrifice and press through? We should also be giving God glory throughout our day, it says, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. And that means even sometimes in the hard stuff, you know, nearly missed an accident on the way to work, begin to praise God. Got a promotion at work, man, praise God for that, right? I mean, when's the last time at your work, somebody heard you say, thank God. But it's not just in the good stuff. What about, were you persecuted at work? Was somebody giving you a hard time? Praise God anyway. It's a sacrifice of praise at that time. Did you get laid off? Praise God anyway. Well, that's, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not saying praise him for those things. We're not saying, thank you, God, that I got fired today. But we say, thank you, God, that even though I got laid off today, that I know that you were with me and that you're going to take care of me, that you were going to provide a way for me. Praise God because of everything he's done in you and for you. Because we're not praising him for the things that are going wrong, but we're praising him in spite of the things that are going wrong. And it's because of what he's done for us. But you know that if you get in a car accident, that's a pretty rough time. Last thing you want to do is begin to praise God. But I say praise him anyway, because just because you got in a car accident, that's not going to cause you to become unforgiven or unclean. Getting sick You know, going through, even if you get something terrible like cancer, that's not going to cause you to be unloved. Rejoice in those circumstances. Getting fired is not going to cause you to lose your salvation. None of those things can affect or separate you from God. So rejoice in spite of those things and give God the glory. And I promise you, God is faithful. He is watching over you. He's going to make sure that you have a place to stay. He will make sure that you have something to eat. He will make sure that you have clothes on your back. He will take care of you if you will honor and glorify him. Amen? The next slide is Colossians 3, 23 through 24. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. Another thing is when we're at work, we need to understand that when we, everything that we do in life should be glorifying to God. We should honor him in everything that we do. And here it says, when you go to work, work heartily as for the Lord and not unto men. Did you know that when you go to work, you're not trying to make your boss happy. You're actually honoring God in what you do. And that means that when we go to work, that we should go ahead and and work as if we're working for God. There shouldn't have to be somebody looking over our shoulder to see if we're doing our job, to make sure that we're doing the right things, because we're not working for our boss. We're working for God. And for him, we are going to work the best that we can to honor him. And the truth is, is that your job is a part of your ministry. Because you're going to have opportunities at work to share with people. You're going to have an opportunity at work in how you work and how you live your life. People are going to see that, and they're going to, they're going to know that you're a Christian because you've said it at some point. They've heard it. And now whatever you do is going to be attached to Jesus. And when you do shoddy work and when you, you don't come to work on time, when you do all these things, it doesn't just look bad on you. It looks bad on Christians everything we should do to be glorifying God. And then when people see it, they're going to be like, Oh man, I, these Christians they are good workers that, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter how bad things are going. They still just keep trucking. They keep moving on. As Christ, Christians, should be the best workers. I know it's illegal, but I think one of the things that they should be able to put on, and this was if we were living our lives as we should, but you put on the application, are you a Christian? If you, if you check, yes, that should give you way points to get in the door because not because of your religion, but because you're going to do good work because you're honoring God with the work that you do. Amen. And this is, if, if this is who you are, if this is, like I said, if this is a culture of who you are, it's a characteristic of who you are, it's not even something we have to think about. It's just something that we do because God has changed it inside of us. And in the beginning, we might have to think about it, but there'll become a point when we're honoring God as just an extension of who we are because of what he's accomplished in us. Amen. The next slide is Hebrews 13, 16. He says, do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Philippians 4.18 says this, I have received full payment, and more I am well supplied, having received from Aphrodite the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So we've talked about our worship is not just the music that we sing, but it's in everything that we do when we go to work, but it's also in giving. This is what the scripture says. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. And like Paul said in, in Philippians four eighteen, he says that the uh, the gifts you sent were a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Now, if you've been here for a while, you know that I say it just about every morning when we're receiving the offering, but tithing, giving, is an extension of our worship. It's because the the definition of worship is to to pay homage to something. It's something done or given in acknowledgement of the consideration of the worth of another. When we give, it's because we are honoring God and what he is doing. We're glorifying him with our money. And it's just another way that we continue, continue to honor him. And the truth is, is if you're doing it out of a sense of obligation, if anybody's giving on Sunday morning or any time because they feel guilty, you're doing it wrong. We don't give because we feel guilty. We don't give because we feel obligated. We don't give because the pastor's up here beating us to death with the Bible or any of those things. We give because he gave everything to us. And we just want to say thank you and honor him. You know, Jesus, when he was born, he was worshipped by the wise men. They came, from the moment he was born, they came bringing him gifts. That's how they showed their honor to him. That's how they worshipped him. That's how they, 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 they paid their respect to him, as they brought him gifts. You remember they, they brought him the, the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. They brought him all that stuff to honor him. Sacrifices were a form of Old Testament worship. They were given to honor God. And you guys remember the lady with the the alabaster uh, container of perfume that she poured out on the the feet of Jesus? It was like a year's worth of wages that she just poured out on the feet of Jesus. You guys should be thankful. I've never asked you guys to give a year's worth of wages at one go. But she gave a year's worth of And why did she do that? Even, you know, the other disciples, strictly Judas is like, what is she doing? That's such a waste. But Jesus was like, no, she's honoring me. God is pleased with our giving. When we honor him, he's pleased with that. And the truth is, is that when we get born again, when we take on the characteristics of God, we become a generous people. We become a giving people. And it's just a result, a natural result of who we are. And it's not because God needs our money. How I many you know that God doesn't need your money? God can make things work out in ways that you wouldn't... Be. Actually, I love watching how God makes things work out. God doesn't need your money to make things go on. God will... If everybody stopped giving tomorrow, God would still make a way for us to be able to continue running this church. I believe that. But the thing is, is that God wants to see you invested. And God wants to see you be... a. Uh, uh, Helping the vision of what this church is going on. And he's going to continue to honor you for that. And Acts 17.24 says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples by man. I mean, you know that a God who created everything, a God who made everything, doesn't need anything from us. It's all his anyway. And the truth is, is giving is more than just about dropping money in a basket. It is determining to set aside and honor God with your income. It's determining that I'm going to make God first in my life, even in my job and my money. He's first in everything. And the truth is, is that giving money is easy. Giving money is the easiest thing that you'll ever have to do because you can always get more money. You know what's hard? Giving your time. Giving your time is hard. You can ask anybody that spends a lot of time here at the church. Sometimes you don't want to come in on a Monday night and practice for the worship team. Sometimes you don't want to come in on Saturday and clean the bathrooms and vacuum the floor. Sometimes you don't want to prepare a message on one of your Saturdays because you'd rather do something else. But any people that, that that's a lot harder than giving money is giving your time. But all of it is an in, in act of worship to God and honoring Him. And the truth is, is it's giving is not about volume either. So many of us think that that uh, our giving has to do with if we if we can't give a lot, then what's the the point? But the truth is, is God just wants to see your heart in that area to honor Him. And it's like the do you guys remember the the widow who gave the widow's might? It was only two pennies. And you guys remember what Jesus said? She put in two pennies, and Jesus said she gave more than everybody here because she gave everything that she had. Like I said, I'm not asking anybody to give everything that they have, but I would encourage you to honor God. And don't do it, as, like I said, as a sense of duty or because I said so, but because God is an amazing God who's done so much for you already. Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and flip to the next slide for me. In Acts 3, 6 through 9, it says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. One more slide. Oh, maybe not. Hey, back. Did I miss the verse? Oh, no, there's nine. is the last one. Sorry about that. I have to try to pay attention about how many are showing on the screen. Sometimes it takes up two slides, but yeah, neither to know there. When we're looking at this one, I, I love this story because this guy just had the most amazing thing happen to him. And he jumps up and he begins to worship and praise God. This guy couldn't walk before. And now he's, he had the most amazing thing happen. He's going to praise God with everything that he has. And when I look at this, I begin to, to realize that there's really basically only three times that we, need to, that we should be worshiping God. I'm going to break it down for you. So if you're curious when you need to worship God, it's going to be these three times. The first time that we need to worship God is when things are going good. When things are going good in your life, God is answering prayers. Like if minutes before you were, you, were, you were lame and you couldn't even stand up, your legs weren't working, and all of a sudden you could walk, that's a good time to praise God. When God is doing great stuff in your life, miracles are happening, everything's going great, give God all the glory. But the truth is it's easy to worship when things are going good, right? How many of you guys... It, it, It just comes naturally. Things are going good, and we're like, "Woohoo! God's taking care of me. Thank you, Lord, that we had money to pay the rent. Thank you, Lord, that my kids aren't sick anymore. Thank you, Lord, for all of these things, and everything's going great. But you know what can happen if it stays like that for too long? You kind of become jaded, and you can forget to worship. You can forget to glorify God and what's going on in your life. And the truth is, is I've seen so many people who have had amazing supernatural miracles happen in their life, and then it wasn't too much longer that they slid back into the ways of their old life. They they forgot what God had done for them. I mean, the first example is is in the is in the Bible, right? So God just rescued the Israelites out of the out of the hands of the Egyptians, and then they they just get rescued, they run away, they get to they get to to the sea there and the, the the Red Sea, and now they're like, oh, we should have just stayed there, and now we're going to get killed right here, right here. And then God's like, man, you haven't even been gone for 10 minutes and you've already forgotten what I've done. So then he parts the Red Sea and they all go across and then the, the the waters come in, it kills all the Egyptians and now they're saved, they're free. Everyone's like, woohoo, everyone's happy. I'm sure that's exactly what it was like. And then not even 15 minutes later, they're like, we're hungry. Are we there yet? And they begin to cry. They, they just had the most supernatural, amazing miracle happen to them. They were saved, they were rescued, and then the next thing you know, they're grumbling. They're like, oh, if, we if we could just still be slaves, at least we'd have food to eat. I've seen that not just in Bible stories, though, but I've seen it in real life. I had a friend that went to one of the other churches, the Tucson church, and, and uh, he had liver cancer. And God supernaturally healed him. Miraculously, it just went away. He was going to die from it, and it just went away. And it wasn't that many months later, we just never seen him again. Had a supernatural miracle happen in his life, and then just let it slip away. We had another friend who had hepatitis C, and if you guys know about hepatitis C, there is no cure, it'll kill you. You'll eventually die from it. And she was healed, supernatural, from hepatitis C. Matter of fact, when she went to the doctor, they're like, this is weird because we see the antibodies, we know you had it, but you no longer have it. And it wasn't that many months later. That we just stop seeing them, and I, I never understood that. But the reality is, it's it's easy to forget. So the next time that we need to pray for, or worship God, there's like I said, there's three basic times we need to worship God. One is when things are going good. Let's go to the next slide. In Acts sixteen twenty five, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The next time that we need to worship God is when things are going bad. So when things are going good, give God glory for what's going on in your life. But when things are going bad, and this one's a little bit tougher, give God glory anyway. So you guys know the story here, Paul and Silas, they got thrown in prison. They're locked up for basically serving God. You think that's some sort of injustice. They're serving God, they get thrown in prison. And instead of complaining, instead of grumbling, instead of cursing God, saying, why could you let this happen to us? Weren't we doing what you said for us to do? Weren't we following your plan? How could you let us get in prison, God? They just began to worship. And that doesn't make any sense to me. But they begin to praise and sing hymns and honor God. And if you know the rest of the story, as soon as they begin to do that, a big giant earthquake comes in, all the, all the doors get busted open, and, and, and everybody could have escaped the, the jailer at the time. He gets upset and he's like, oh, no, I'm just going to kill myself because if they find out these prisoners escaped, they're going to kill me anyway. And Paul says, no, no, we're all still here. Now, I understand where Paul and Silas was still there. I I don't understand why all the other prisoners stuck around, but they must have been touched by that worship and they stuck around. And as a result, the jailer and his whole household, they get saved. You know, that's the funny thing about being in tough situations is that sometimes in tough situations when we think, God, why is this happening to me? If we would stop being so concerned with what's happening and instead honor him, we might be amazed at what God would do through those situations. You might find that you have opportunities that you never had because of this tough situation that you're in. It's tougher to worship when things are bad but it is so necessary. And like I said, don't ever thank God for the bad stuff in your life. God didn't send it. It was somebody else. But in spite of those things, continue to worship. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let the devil steal your worship. Instead, begin to honor God and see what God will do in those situations. And the third time that we need to worship, and this is probably the hardest to keep on going it's when things are just going. You guys ever had life where it's not super good, it's not super bad, it's just kinda kinda going. Anybody ever live life? Am I the only person you guys always have it super good? Man, I want to be you guys. There's some times in life where life is just meh. Life's just kind of meh. There's nothing there's nothing nothing's really great going on, nothing's really bad going on, and boy, that's the times when when God just kind of falls out of your life. Because when things are going good, It's super easy to go, thank God for all this stuff that's happening. And when things are going bad, usually we get put down, we get dropped to our knees because stuff is so bad. It's hurting so much that we have no other choice but to cry out to God. God, I need you. But there are times in our life when things are just going. They're just normal. There's nothing really going on. And, man, you can get wrapped up in life. You can, you can look at the end. It's Friday, and you're like, man, it's Friday. I've just been going to work, doing my thing, and I don't even think I've talked to God once. I don't even remember the last time that I read my Bible. I don't remember the last time I said, thank you, Jesus, for everything that's good. We just kind of get wrapped up in the day-to-day stuff. But it's so important that you remember to continue to worship God in all of those times. Amen? And let's go to the last slide. Revelations 5, 11 through 13 it says, and then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and blessing. And I think there might be another one. Is there no more after that? There it is. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. I want you to know that if you don't feel like worshiping here, you might want to get used to it. Because worship is the culture of heaven. He says, I looked around the throne, living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, and they were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, under the earth, and in the sea, that's all the creatures, that's the entire earth, was worshiping God with one accord, (laughs) you guys? Uh, sorry, that just made me think of a joke. Do you guys? Uh, do you guys know what kind of car Jesus and his disciples drove? Yeah, it was it was a Honda Accord. The Bible says they were all in one accord. So, <laughs> but the, <laughs> come on, that's that's funny. Hallelujah! But the culture of heaven is to worship. And Jesus asked us, if you remember, Jesus asked us to pray what? That his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What well, is his will in heaven that worship be going on continuously? And that's what we should be looking for here. And this is, this is who we are. This is who we are supernaturally. This is who we are for eternity. We're, we're worshiping beings. We're going to worship and honor God. And the scripture even says that the, the rocks and the trees will rejoice if we don't. But this is who we are. And we need to make sure that it's who we are on earth, not just in heaven. We're not waiting for heaven to worship God, but as a people, at Living Whole Family Church, as a culture, as a part of who we are, we're people who worship. And I would encourage you when it's Sunday morning, be here on time on Sunday morning. Don't miss the worship. The worship is important. It's a time when you can have an encounter with God. It is a time where you will see breakthroughs happen in your life. As you forget about everything else and you focus firmly on him, you're going to see things change in your life. I've seen people get healed in the middle of worship. I've seen people have relationships mended in the middle of worship because they put him first and see what God won't do. Don't be afraid to lift your hand. Get a little crazy. Come up to the front and dance. Lift your hands. Give them all that you got. We don't have to be a big church to do these things. You know, it's funny. We go to these big conferences, and and, uh, we all get up front, and we're jumping around, hands up, dancing, doing the whole thing. But all of a sudden, we come back home, and we're like, the lights are a little bit brighter, and there's not as many people, so we get embarrassed. But just honor him, worship him, who cares what other people are thinking? Because the truth is during worship it should be about him and you honoring him, amen. Psalms twenty-two three says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. I've always been curious about that verse because it says that God is basically, other translations say it, that he inhabits the praises of his people. Um, this ver- version right here in the ESV says that he's enthroned in the praises of his people. But the reality is is, is, is we are showing God his rightful place. That's what, he doesn't need our worship to be king, but when we worship him, we're, we are admitting, we're, we're saying that he is our king. He is our Lord and He is our Savior, Amen. So let's remember that here at Living Hope Family Church, we are a people who worship, and not just on Sunday morning. All the way through, let's go and stand our feet.